My name's Wes. Thanks for having me. Like I said, I'm from Illinois. My wife is from Oklahoma. Any of you been to Oklahoma before? A few people? Anyone from Oklahoma? Okay, we'll count it. We'll count it. All right, so since my wife is from Oklahoma, over the years I've had to spend a lot of time down there, and I've learned a lot about the state. I've learned a lot about Oklahoma, and I've actually, actually learned the most important thing about Oklahoma, and that is Oklahoma is the worst. It is the <laughs> worst because every single time I'm there, hail, flash floods, tornadoes, earthquakes, every single time I am there. And this past May, I had to be there for a whole week. (laughs) In-laws. And all I wanted to do the whole week was leave. Get me out of there because I was surrounded by hail, flash floods, tornadoes, and earthquakes. But I had to stay. I had to stay because at the end of the week, we had some friends getting married. So I had to stay. And so finally, Saturday rolls around. And I am pumped because that night I was going home. So I was really excited. I was really excited. So we pull up to this wedding. It's out in the country of Oklahoma. And I have to admit, it was beautiful. The sun was shining. There was a nice meadow out back. And then we get out of our car. Downpour. That meadow turns into a river. The power goes out at the wedding. It was a nightmare. And so in the middle of the reception, we decide we're going to take, take off early. We're going to leave. So we're about to walk out to our car when the DJ grabs the mic and he makes an announcement. He grabs the mic and he says, if you decide to leave now, if you're going to leave, make sure at the intersection you go right. Go right at the intersection. Because if you go left, there's some flooding on the road. So make sure you go right. So we get in our car, drive up to the intersection, and I have a decision to make. But here's the thing. I knew the fastest way out of Oklahoma. That was to go left. (laughs) If I went right, I'd have to spend another, like, 30 minutes in Oklahoma, okay? So what do I do? What do I do? I go left. That's right. That's right. I go left. And like I said, we're out in the country of Oklahoma, so this road... This is the dirt road in every country song. Like, that, that red dirt road, that is what I'm on. Backwoods, Oklahoma. So we start driving, and the whole time, I'm just thinking, this DJ, he had no idea what he was talking about. These puddles are nothing. Drive through one, drive through another, drive into another one. Turns out it's four feet deep, and I total our brand new car. Water. Water is soaking up through the floor. Our stuff is floating around. That river in the meadow, that's what I'm in. I'm going to float by this wedding. I'm freaking out. (laughs) Luckily, we didn't get too far, and everyone in Oklahoma owns a truck. And so they came, and they pulled us out, and I get back to this wedding that I had just left. But now I'm soaking wet head to toe in my suit. And I'm just thinking, what in the world? What was going through my head? The guy told, the DJ told me to go right, and he knew what was going to happen if I went left. He knew I was going to drive into a flood, and yet I still did it. I still went left. You see, I thought I knew best. I thought my plan was best. I was going to choose the most comfortable, most convenient thing for me. I was going left. No one was telling me what to do. 
And as I began to think about that, I realized something. That's actually the way most people live their lives, right? Like, I'm going to choose my plan, my degree, what I want, what's comfortable, what's convenient. I'm going left. No one's telling me what to do. But you see, God has laid out his plan for each and every one of us and for the whole world. And he tells us which direction to go. He tells us which direction to go. And then he says what happens if we go the other way. And so tonight, I'm going to walk from Genesis to Revelation, showing you which direction God is going, what mission he is on, which way he is inviting us to go. And each one of us is going to have to decide, do I want to go left after what I think is comfortable, what I think is best, my plan, or do I want to go right after God's plan, what he knows is best, the direction he, he knows is best and what he is doing. So I'm going to start where God starts, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve in the very first command ever given. Genesis 1.28 says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But we may know a couple chapters later, man sins and it gets so bad that God decides to flood the earth and start again with another man named Noah. And as Noah is walking off the ark, he hears this from God. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. You see, from the very beginning, God had a plan. And his plan was that his people would fill his creation and worship him. But they didn't. And they all gathered together at the Tower of Babel. And so instead of filling the earth and worshiping him, they all gather together in one place. And so God decides to go down and scatter the nations across the earth. And that's the context we get to in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12 may be one of the most foundational chapters in the whole Bible. And that's because in Genesis 12, God chooses one man and his family to reach all those nations. That man's name is Abram, better known as Abraham. Look what God says to him in Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your family, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. God looks down on Abraham and says, I'm going to hook you up, right? Like, I'm going to give you everything you could ever want. You're going to be rich, famous, powerful. But Abraham, don't miss this. Don't miss this. The verse keeps going. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but it's not just for you. You're blessed to be a blessing. Have any of you ever struggled to understand the Old Testament? Anybody? Yeah, this is the key to understand it. This is the key. Because right here, God chooses Abraham and his family, his descendants, to reach the nations, to make God's name famous throughout the whole world. And so from the, throughout the rest of the Old Testament, the story, the mission that God is on is to make his name famous through his people, to all nations. And that's the mission Abraham joins God on. He chooses to go right, to leave his country and his family, to be a part of God's mission. And so from Abraham to his son Isaac, in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And then to his grandson Jacob, in you and your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. God is moving this mission to all nations through his people. And so throughout the rest of the Old Testament, all those famous Bible stories are God making his name famous. Daniel in the lion's den, the fiery furnace, the dedication of the temple, Solomon's wisdom, 
even the plagues in Egypt. Every single Bible story is about God making his name famous to the ends of the earth. Even the most famous one that everyone on this campus knows, David and Goliath. Right, we all know that story. Like, it's the plot of every sports movie you have ever seen. Like, scene one, you know the little guys are going to win. <laughs> now, I always thought that this story was for me to understand that as long as God is on my side, there's nothing that can stand against me, right? There's no giant big enough. And that's true. That is true about this story. But it's not the main theme. And David knew it. Look what David says to Goliath as he approaches him. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Puny little preteen David going up to fight the most deadly man alive. David knew that he was going to be blessed with victory, not just for himself, not just for his family, his country, but he was blessed to be a blessing to all nations so that all the earth may know. The rest of the army, the people actually trained to fight Goliath, they were sitting in camp scared. They didn't believe God could use them to be a blessing to all nations. They didn't believe that God was on a mission to make his name famous. They chose to go left. They chose what was comfortable, what was convenient. But David didn't. He chose to go right after God, join him in his mission. David knew that he was going to be blessed so that all the earth would know that there is a God in Israel. And that's why we know this story. It's not just so we can face our giants. We know this story because God is using it to make his name famous throughout the whole world. And so from Abraham to David and even into the Psalms and the ones we all know and love, like this one, be still and know that I am God. We love this verse, right? Like this is our war cry during finals week, be still. Yes, Lord, we love it. We probably have, we probably have it on our, our journal or maybe we just got the be still tattoo. We love this verse. But every time I looked at it, I could never get past the little A in the reference. Anyone ever notice that little A? I had to do some extensive research to figure out why we put the A up there. And basically, we put the A up there because we don't like the second half, right? We put the A because we don't like B. And it's got to be pretty bad that we had to cut it off, right? Like, it's got to be at least like, be still and know that I'm God. And no bacon on Tuesdays, right? Like, at least that bad. It's probably worse, though. Be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. We've become so good at taking the blessing, but then cutting off the part that talks about our responsibility. In junior high, I had an amazing idea. That was to play basketball. Now, no one bothered to tell me that I was short, slow, and uncoordinated, but <laughs> I did make the team. I did, at the coveted position of backup point guard, for the backup point guard. I didn't play too much, but that was fine with me. I joined the team to just hang out with my friends, go to games, have fun at practice. I actually got really good at one thing, and that was hiding at the end of the bench behind the big guys so my coach wouldn't see me. So I don't remember much about my long career as a basketball player, but I do remember one game because my coach saw me and put me in. And so I get out there on the court. I'm like, all right, have to play. Might as well try to help out my team. How many points do I need to score to win this thing? So I look up at the scoreboard, and I get really confused. 
like something had to be broken or wasn't working because of the clock. The clock said there was only one second left in the whole game. My coach put me in for one second. To this day, I cannot live that down. My friends still make fun of me. The game of one second. And the best part was I wanted to, like, how many points can I score? Like, I wanted to, to win the game, but really all I did was hide at the end of the bench. Too scared to take responsibility for the game. But you see, God sees us hiding at the end of the bench. He wants us to take responsibility. He's putting us in the game. Not just for one second, the whole game. He wants us to take responsibility for the blessings we've been given. To share the gospel. A lot of times we make missions, we make sharing the gospel like this awful, heavy burden that we have. But over and over again, God calls it a blessing. God is blessing us so that we can pour those blessings out on the nations. The blessing of being in relationship with him. He wants us to take responsibility for that and go and share that message. Look what he says in the prophets. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the waters completely cover the sea. That's what the sea is made out of. It is water. The gospel will fill the earth completely. God's going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But he wants to use us to make that happen. He wants to spread his name through his people. That's the direction, that's the mission he's been on. Throughout the whole Old Old Testament and even into the New Testament. Because when we flip the page, we get four books on the life of Jesus. And his life was a life spent on mission. If you don't believe me, let's look at the most famous verse in the whole Bible. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. A lot of times I plug my name in there where it says the world. For God so loved Wes. And that's true. For God so loved each and every one of us, he came and died. Or maybe this verse has just become white noise, right? Like it's plastered on every church wall. We've known it forever. Like this is the first verse we read. It's so easy to just blow by this verse. But this should change the way we live our lives. Jesus came to to live and die not just for us, but for the world. He loves all nations, and he wants them to know him. And that's why he came. And this, this is the gospel, that Jesus came to earth to live a perfect life, a life none of us can live, and to die on a cross for our sins. He died the death each and every one of us deserve for our sins, our shame, our guilt, our wrong. He took on all of that, And gave us grace and forgiveness, mercy, his righteousness. And he died for us and for all the nations that would believe in him. And he spent three days in the grave, but then he rose and he conquered death. He conquered sin so that we could have life. And after he did that, he spent the next 40 days on earth. And during that time, we get what's called the Great Commission. Matthew 28 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now we've termed this the Great Commission, but it sounds very similar to another verse in Mark. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And then another verse in Luke, forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. And then even another verse in John, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. 
And then even another verse in Acts. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Five different verses, five different books, five different times Jesus commanded his disciples to go. Why did he repeat himself? Why did Jesus repeat himself? Because he knew our hearts, right? He knew if he only said it once, it would be so easy to push that aside, to ignore that. But no, he wanted to make it very clear, very clear that this, this is not an option to be considered. This is a command to be obeyed. Throughout the whole Bible, God has been laying out his heart for us, laying out his heart for the world. And he's asking us, do you have a heart like mine? Do you love all nations like I do? When I first started to date my wife, I lived in a house with seven other guys. We called it the Dude Ranch. It was disgusting. And between the endless hours of video games, every stupid show you could find on Netflix, all that stuff, I just had no time for any of her interests. I just had no time. But the more I started to care for her, I noticed something. I started to enjoy the things she enjoyed. Like soon enough, I had a Pinterest. (laughs) And I've seen every single episode of Gilmore Girls. You see... The more you start to care for someone, the more you love someone, the more you'll care about the things they care about. You'll love the things they love. And the same thing is true with our relationship with God. The more time we spend with him in his word and prayer, the more our hearts will look like his. We'll love the things he loves. He's made it very clear what he loves. But guys, when I choose my own comfort, what's convenient. When I choose to go left, when the church, when Christians choose to go left, something happens to the world. That box right there is called the 1040 window. It goes from 10 degrees to 40 degrees north latitude, from West Africa all the way out past East Asia. And the reason I'm highlighting that part of the world is because in there are 97% of the world's unreached people. Now, unreached doesn't mean that they simply don't follow Jesus. There are people all over this campus, all over this city that don't follow Jesus. What unreached means is they don't follow him, and they couldn't even if they wanted to, because they have no access. That means they may have never met a Christian. There may not be a Bible in their language. There's probably not a church in their city. They could live their whole lives growing up, going to school, getting a job, and not once have a chance to hear the gospel that we get to talk about every single day. When Christians choose to go left, that leaves three billion people without a hope of ever hearing the greatest news of any of our lives. And God's heart breaks because he loves them. He came for them and he died for them. And then he told us to go to them. And Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, he made it his goal that this wouldn't happen. In Romans, he says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has been named. He wanted to go where they had no access, where they hadn't heard the gospel. And again in Romans, he tells us how we can do the same. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? He lays it out really simply. We can go and preach or we can send others to go and preach. Now, in our breakouts, in our second part, we're going to learn a lot more about how do I actually 
live this out? What are some next steps I can take even tomorrow? So make sure you stick around and learn some practical ways to live this out. I just want to say a few things about it. We can go here and there. When I say go here, I mean specifically reaching out to international students. And the reason I mean that is because I already hope that you're going out and sharing the gospel, sharing your faith. If you don't know how to do that, talk to the staff, talk to the interns. They would love to help you figure out how to share your testimony, share the gospel, and get out on campus and do that. So talk to them. But I want to specifically talk about international students because right now in the U.S. there are over a million international students. Most of them are from the 1040 window and may come from a place where they have no access to the gospel. But right now they're just across campus and we can share the gospel with the nations without a plane ticket, a passport, or learning another language. God is bringing the nations to our doorstep. Now we can also go there. We can take trips all over the world, going and sharing the gospel with the nations. You can go with your own ministry. Chi Alpha has opportunities for you to go over summer break and and share the gospel with the nations. Use those breaks wisely. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but when you graduate, summer break doesn't exist. (laughs) Use that time now. Go and share the gospel. Use that time. Go with your friends. And guys, give a year. Give a year to God in in missions and ministry, sharing the gospel, and pray about a lifetime. Pray about a lifetime of doing that. Now, we can also send, and we can do that by giving and praying. We can support our, our friends who are going overseas, missionaries that our church supports. Yes, even as poor college students. And we can also pray. We can pray for the nations. We can pray for missionaries who are overseas. We can pray for the unreached parts of the world. And a lot of times I see this and I think A-team, B-team, right? Varsity and JV. That's not true. It's not true that someone who goes as a missionary is more spiritual than someone who stays to send. But in the same way that going is not more spiritual, sending should be no less sacrificial. If If people are willing to go and sacrifice their lives to be missionaries, we should be just as sacrificial in getting them there. But guys, this is not the end of the story. The work, the three billion unreached, that's not the end of the story because God has given us the last chapter. He shows us a picture of heaven in Revelation. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. You see, contrary to popular belief, heaven's not going to be a bunch of Americans singing Chris Tomlin songs. All nations are going to be there. Every language is going to be represented. God is bringing the nations into heaven. That is his plan. That is the mission he is on. And he's inviting us to be a part of it. He wants to use us to make that happen. All of history, all of our lives, everything is moving to make this happen. To bring the nations into heaven. To worship God. And this is the only thing we can give our lives to that cannot and will not fail. It is the only sure thing. And so at the beginning, I asked you all a question. Do you want to go left after your plan, what you think is best? Or do you want to go right after God's mission and his plan? On your chairs, there should have been a little card. Looks like this. Go ahead and pull that out. 
If there's not one on your chair, we have extras that we can give you afterwards. Go ahead and pull that out, though. On the front of that card are a lot of the verses I went through and a few more. Check those out. Make sure I didn't make all this up. Look for yourself. But on the back of that card, there's a commitment. And it says, I commit myself to be a cross-cultural goer or a sacrificial sender. And in a minute, I'm going to pray for us. And anyone who wants to make that commitment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. But first, what does it mean? Does it mean I book my one-way ticket to Ooga Land and give all my money to missions? No. What it simply means is I want to take a next step. I want to take a next step, which will be different for each and every one of you. For some, it may mean I'm going overseas. For others, it may mean I'm going to reach out to those international students I know. I'm going to just start praying for the world. I'm going to support my friend who's going overseas. It just means I want to take a next step, a next step. Maybe that just means going through these verses because it's like all brand new. Just a next step. So if you guys want to close your eyes and bow your heads, I'm going to pray for us. And if you want to commit to take a next step, go ahead, and, go ahead and raise your hand really high above your head so I can see you and pray for you. If you want to commit to take a next step, whatever it is for you, go ahead and raise your hand real high right now so I can see you and pray for you. Father God, I just thank you so much. I just thank you for the gospel, Lord. Lord, I pray that we never take that for granted, but yeah, but that we think about that each and every day, the sacrifice you were willing to make for us. Lord, I pray that that would make us change the way we live our lives, that we are bold in sharing the gospel, and that we have a passion for the lost. Lord, I pray for all the the people that raise their hands. Lord, I pray that you... Open doors for them to join you in your mission, Lord. I pray that you encourage them and challenge them through that process, that you would do just incredible things with their lives, Lord. And, Lord, I pray for the students on this campus. Lord, I pray that every single one of them would have clearly heard the gospel by the time they graduate. Lord, I pray that you use these students to make that happen, that they are just really bold in their faith, that they... Yeah, just have a desire to reach this campus for you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that nations, that tribes, peoples, languages are represented in heaven because of the way you move through their lives, that you just do incredible, miraculous things with these students all over the world. Lord, we love you, and I pray all this in your name. Amen.